Welcome to In Confidence, the podcast for data ops leaders. In each episode, we ask thought leaders and futurists to break down the topics and trends concerning IT and data professionals today, and to give us their take on what the data landscape will look like tomorrow. Let's join the data conversation. Well, thank you, and welcome back to another episode of In Confidence. I'm Paul McCormack. I'm the Vice President for Privacy Law Innovation at Privisar. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Cameron Craig, the Head of Privacy Legal at HSBC, uh, someone that I've known for many, many years. Indeed. And I guess, Cameron, before we hear from you about yep. your, your background, I guess you, you obviously spent a number of years yep. getting into the privacy space. I think probably the the pioneer in the legal sector on, on privacy. <laughs> you're <laughs> very kind, but, uh, but perhaps we can just hear from you about what was yeah. your journey from, I suppose, life pre-law into sure. legal practice. Yeah. Well, and, and first of all, thanks now. very much for inviting me along today, Paul. It's great to be here and take part in this uh, podcast. So I did have a previous life, as you know, before becoming a, a lawyer. I worked as an engineer for seven years, a systems engineer in quite a variety of areas from steelworks and car manufacturing and actually spent some time on a nuclear-powered submarine and, in fact, on an aircraft carrier. Um, <clears throat> so after seven years, I made the change uh, over to law for various reasons and retrained as a, an IP stroke technology lawyer with, with Linklaters, and that was really my route into privacy. And then from there, I joined DLA Piper as a partner where our paths crossed Paul. Uh, in 2004 as a co-head of the global data privacy practice. And then from there, I joined HSBC in my current role about 10 years later in 2013. And that's me in privacy now. Fascinating. Fascinating. I guess yeah, that, that transition from engineering to privacy, and particularly at a time where privacy was not really a, a strong discipline in the legal sector. Yeah. And, and I guess you know, have you found that that has helped to shape your perspective on actually joining those dots in privacy and thinking about you know, the, the mechanics of how data moves and generally those sorts of things. Yeah, very, very much so, um, <clears throat> Paul. I often think that there, that there are a lot of synergies between the skills needed to be a, a lawyer and the skills needed to be an in- engineer. Just for example, I often equate writing software to writing con- con- contracts with the sort of logic and flows, etc. The only the only difference is, of course, in engineering, you can actually test if it's working before you finalise it. Under, unlike unlike con- contracts, but uh, I mean, I'm of the sort of generation where people didn't tend to initially specialise as data privacy lawyers. They would be tech- technology lawyers and do data privacy as part of that work, which I think is is actually Personally, I think for a, a data privacy law, it's quite a good way into it because I think to to be a, 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 an effective data privacy lawyer, I think you need to understand the broader issues surrounding, mm-hmm. uh, surrounding yeah. deals, basically, how the contract fits together, what the commercial re- re- reality is. And, in, and, and increasingly, you're, you're right, Paula, I think there's a need to have a good understanding of how the tech works uh, as, as well to be able to, to, to really sort of grasp what's going on in the real world. No, f- fantastic. And I, I guess thinking about that journey then from going from you know, uh, link later to DLA to then becoming the head of privacy at the, the world's largest bank. I mean, um, fast forward your, your or, or cast your mind back to 2018 and 25th of May, yep. big milestone for, for most companies out there. Yep. Um, what was it like? What were you doing 
around that time. Yeah, panicking, <laughs> panicking, I think it was probably a good. Uh, yeah, it was, um, the GDPR was quite a seismic change in some ways, particularly in the way that people viewed data privacy, the way that people outside of privacy viewed it, be Absolutely. it the senior management or be it the public at, public at large. Mm. Whereas those of us, uh, we were talking about GDPR for many years, although it came into force in 2018. I think the first draft was in 2011 or 2012. So it was just you know, never-ending conversation about the GDPR, which was great fun. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, but the, you, those of us that looked at it at the time said the actual principles, what you need to do is actually quite similar to, the, under the old law, it's quite yep. similar to what's needed under the GDPR. I think the key differences were really around the fines, big difference between 500,000 quid and 4% of global turnover, particularly for some reason, an organization like HSBC, which meant that the, the, the senior management looked upon the risk in a very different way to how they had to, to, to the way they looked at it previously. Mm. And then the other big change was what we call accountability or the need to put in place proper documented processes to be able to verify the decisions that you've made, such as the record of processing, privacy impact assessments, the introduction of data privacy officers. Yeah. So there's this big machine that you had to put in place, which which meant that you needed to, to, to educate and inform a lot of the people doing that stuff, whereas previously a lot of the data privacy uh, uh, thought was really done within the legal or potentially the compliance team. So it was really educated and embedding those processes was one of the biggest biggest challenges, I think. Interesting. Interesting. I guess, you know, that sort of shift or, or evolution from perhaps, you know, um, to some extent paper compliance or actually yeah. fully embedding compliance into yeah. organizations was, is that what you see as a, the big sea change from? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's the biggest change uh, and one of the biggest challenges that big organizations have had. Uh, you know, it's one thing writing the writing the procedure and writing the policy yep. and writing the controls, but actually make, getting people to understand those and practice and actually embed and think privacy. The word which is increasingly coming to the fore is privacy culture these these days, which yep. uh, which I think is a really good as, aspiration to have, so that people think privacy all the time. They they understand what they're trying to do. They understand the risks that they're trying to address trying to address and i think that's uh, that's almost moving on to the next level of maturity interesting really interesting i, th I think yeah, that, that sort of concept of you mentioned maturity i think yeah. where 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 you were at the time that you're building you know, the, the relevant looking yeah. at the sort of gaps of what you had implementing those gaps and and i guess fast forwarding now to you know we're in 2023 we're almost five years on from GDPR, yeah. um, is what were the, the the key, I suppose if you're looking back now and casting yeah. your mind back, what were the biggest challenges and um, where do you think that, I suppose the biggest successes you also yeah. had in that maturity curve yeah. of implementation and now to the sort of, you know, the steady yeah. state of where, where, where the company's at? Yeah, I, think, um, I, think, I think the biggest challenges were probably, <clears throat> uh, you know, maybe think about four things possibly one would be initially just getting the right balance of knowing when to stop on the, on the, on the detail 
if you like, getting sure. the yeah. getting the descriptions of data at the right level, getting the records of processing. You know, they, what at what level do you stop that 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 level of grand granularity? Mm. Uh, the second challenge, which probably alluded to already, was uh, getting people to understand what privacy was all about. And yeah. I think you'll remember as well at that time, Paul, that there were a lot of new entrants to the privacy advisory space, uh, creating a lot of unhelpful myths uh, <laughs> at, at the time. Yeah. And quite a lot of the legal legal team's time spent actually putting out fires where, you know, the, somebody in a, somebody read in the paper, you need consent for every use of data or, you know, all of yep. this stuff that was such a, everybody was trying to do the right thing, but getting a lot of the wrong messages. So trying to bust those myths was one of the big things we had to do. And then I think the other challenge is obviously somewhere like HSBC with many different jur- jurisdictions is getting consistency in the mm. way that you that you that you do that you do embed it across all all the different countries. Yep. Uh, I think it was one of the biggest. Those are probably the biggest challenges we had. Interesting. I, I suppose with that in mind and, and thinking now to where you're at, yeah. both within yeah. the team structure and thinking about the way that GDPR has had an impact on on data across the, the organization, thinking about you know, the data teams, the, the risk and compliance teams, the legal teams. I mean, how do you think that has changed and matured over yeah. the past sort of you know, nearly five years yeah. post GDPR? Have you seen a big impact? Yeah, huge, a, a huge impact, Paul. I mean, some, sometimes it, it sort of feels as though <clears throat> uh, you're not making a lot of a lot, a lot of progress. It's sometimes like two step forwards, one step back. It sometimes feels like one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> but when you do take when you do take stock uh, after two years, three years, and four years, and certainly looking back now as we are doing, it's a completely different environment to to the one that we had in two two thousand and eighteen. Um, the, there's so many more people now engaged in data privacy risk management effectively yeah uh, there's so much more more awareness of it now uh, there's so many more processes which are getting really Im- Im- embedded and we're on a call now with you know 20 30 privacy professionals that are engaged wow. in carrying wow. out these these sort of processes and really understanding and caring about the data it's a it's a massive change to how it was mm. before where some of the conversations we were having was with business leaders saying why is this relevant to me um, but you know they really they really understand that now, uh, so it's a it's a it's it's a huge change. And part of the part of the challenge as well has been trying to really identify the 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 different responsibilities of the different stakeholders that are involved. So yep. that could be uh, you know di- diff- different models. But um, at HSBC, for example, there's the, there's a the legal team that. Uh, define uh, what the requirements of the law are and uh, look at forthcoming le- legislation and provide legal advice going, going forward. We then have the risk the risk team that look at, okay, what does this risk mean in the context of the wider risk management framework? Right. We have the data protection officers now as a separate, as a very separate function that really look upon things uh, very much from the, from the risk viewpoint of what's the risk to the individual whereas the risk management team and the legal team look at what's the risk to the business obviously mm-hmm. with yep. concern for the individual because the two things are linked but the dpo yep. is very much has the risk to the individual being um being addressed and also with a a, a close link to the to the to, to the regulator the ico in, in the uk yeah so i think that that 
that separation actually works quite well in practice and it gives you know the independence that the dpo has i think that's beginning to work really well the other stakeholder would be in the in the sort of business or the the first line of defense the, mm-hmm. the people actually uh, within this within the chief data officer team broadly speaking sure. yeah. they're the guys that are the first point of contact for privacy advice for the business they they've got the guidance from the legal team and they, and they can point the business to the right place to which process to follow and mm. um, so i think it, it, they're all working now and being a lot clearer on what their role is which makes the whole machine operate a lot more effectively amazing because obviously in those early days it felt like the dpo role and bringing that in and actually yeah. embedding privacy as a as a component of the risk framework for example yeah. in companies were it was people struggling right they're thinking yeah. about where does the dpo sit is it yeah. in compliance is yeah. it in security is it in yeah. you know somewhere near audit yeah. is it in risk it feels like perhaps now we're in a bit more of a steady state and yeah well we that's been defined it, it, as you know hsbc um the uh, initial decision was to have the dpo role sit within within the legal function mm. and indeed the legal function did the risk management thing and and i think possibly the reason for that was that was the only place the expert the real expertise was at sure. that time so you could do all of those three roles uh, and we sort of the way i look at it we sort of built the machine within the legal team uh, performing all those roles but now it's been built we've got all the processes and the framework in place yep. the the we can now allow the 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 operation of it to be con- conducted by by the different stakeholders and that's that's the way that we look at it so you need yeah. we had to keep it quite tight to get it built and and op- operating but i can really see the benefit now of um much more clearly than i could at the time of the gdpr if i'm, yeah. if I'm honest yeah. uh, having that independent dpo role i think it works really well fantastic no, re- really really good insight cameron and i think i guess thinking then about we, we sort of touched on you know, your your journey into hsbc gdpr I guess this this um, uh, evolution of the role of um, the the data function, yeah. the compliance function. When thinking about other companies that are navigating mm-hmm. the sort of complexity of um, moving data across borders, yeah. obviously for HSBC, you're moving data across border yeah. on a routine basis. Yeah. It's a big impairment. I mean, before we talk about any advice that you might have for them, I mean, what what do you think of the the, uh, what are the drivers for that? So you've got operations in different jurisdictions, um, but what are the sort of business imperatives for actually getting data from country A to country B? Yeah, well, probably a number of uh, a number of drivers. Uh, one one would be efficiencies of processing, for example. If and uh, if, for example, the risk risk management function, uh, yeah. a, a large organisation might want to centralise that as a, as a centre of excellence in one place, so they can get a an oversight of the risk and do mm-hmm. all the uh, AML analysis or financial crime analysis. And it's very helpful to, to get the data into one place so they can get the big, big picture view. Uh, yeah. Also drivers <clears throat> to be to be able to share it uh, uh, um, with um, other parts of the organization for commercial purposes, for, 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 for example, and sharing. There's always demands to share with uh, uh, third party reg- regulators, which mm-hmm. is an, an increasing an increasing challenge so it's just those sort of those are the key reasons uh, i think paul you know op- operational efficiencies and 
com complying with laws is always yeah. a problem. How to comply with the need to uh, the eternal conflict be between the obligation to provide data to a, a regulator in one jurisdiction, yeah. conflicting with breaking privacy laws in, a, in another jurisdiction, continues to be head a headache, more I, of a headache these days actually. And I guess with that that in mind, I mean that point about breaking privacy laws to get that data out. Obviously, yeah. we've seen now this increase of um, laws and regulations around the world yeah. um, that are looking to bring data in, localize it, um, prevent data going from different jurisdictions. Yeah. Obviously, for mm. a bank like HSBC, you've got additional requirements, bank secrecy, et cetera, yeah. um, to contend with in yeah. addition to you know, core privacy requirements. I mean, yeah. What advice would you, would you give to you know, peers in the financial services sector or beyond about building you know, um, the, the processes or the ability to actually yeah. get that data out for those different reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's ultimately, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a sort of difficult puzzle, isn't it? You yes. know, you've got a set of, yeah. set of requirements and a set of, set, of, set, of, set of restrictions. So how do you marry up those two shapes to enable you what to do? And I, and I think that, you know, the basic advice, uh, I think, is all starts with data. I think, you know, you need to understand your data. You need to understand which processes it's used in. Um, uh, and that includes not just the data privacy compliance, the GDPR record of processing, but general good data governance processes, mm. uh, which I know many organizations struggle with because of the volume and complexity of data. But good data housekeeping is really fundamental to be able to allow you to apply the rules to it effectively. So, so I think that's, that's clear. And then I think the, the, the second thing I would say is, um, is to have a clear scope of what you're trying to do and clear accountability for de for delivery. And um, quite often, um, it, there's a it, it, there's a sort of divide as to whether or not a particular program should be accountable for delivering stuff, or should it actually mm. be the you know the central SMEs, or should yep. it be the business? And the times I've seen this work most effectively is when you have clear accountability for delivering stuff sitting with the business with them themselves. They get much more right. much more engaged right. with it if they know it's their responsibility. They're not just sitting waiting for the privacy experts to give them a, a solution. Yeah. And um, and I think I think as well in all of this, um, <clears throat> it's it's important not to lose. It's sort of very easy to get yourself on a. Down, down the path of a sort of you know mechanical analysis of what data here going there going there, so we need to do this yep. and that. so yep. it's easy to get it into a spreadsheet or whatever other tool and and lose sight of what your fundamental key risks are so i think i would advise every now and again just taking a bit of a step back and say hold on hold on a minute why are we actually doing this and what mm. are the real risks that we're going to get um, that we're going to get into sort of trouble with what what should we really prioritize yeah and i think as well the final thing would be <clears throat> um don't forget the upside you, you know having good privacy compliance it can be a real enabler um we've not really spoken about it yet but a real enabler for the other theme that's coming at the moment is organizations want to try and monetize their data and do absolutely, do absolutely, yeah. do yeah. uh you know productive stuff with their data yeah. spent all this time trying to get it into a compliant state to so say okay mm. how can we use it how can we how can we do how can we do better things for our customers how can we do how can we help our customers how can we be more effective how can we be more productive uh, how can we get better insights to data yeah. and you're in a much better position to do that if you've got fundamental groundwork of good data 
good data governance, you know, you know what you've got and how you use it, and also compliance and a sort of uh, you know, GDPR compliance, so you know what, what what your notices are, you know what your consents are, and you can actually be a lot more flexible and granular with the way that you respond and uh, in the, uh, to, to be enable yourself to monetize data in that way. So that big upside is something we try to emphasize a lot. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. say, look, it's not just is this isn't just a, a, a burden for you. This can actually help you monetize the data, and also very importantly, build and foster customer trust. The other big yes, one, yeah. particularly for banks, is you know trust, mm. uh, and um, one of the it, it really is HSBC. One of the big things that we always look at, uh, which is pulls in the sort of ethics, uh, the ethics yep. angle as well. It's not just from a data protection perspective. Can we do this? Is should we be doing this? Is this the sort of thing our, our customers would, would would really expect of us? Interesting. So, with all that, you've got, I guess this move then or shift away from thinking about data for those specific programs around you know, moving data for regulatory compliance purposes, mm -hmm. but this shift now to um, uh, seeing, I guess, privacy as a, a you know, compliance as a, as a, as a business benefit to 100%. unlock commercialization yeah, 100%, of data yeah, and, yeah, and sort of see that real value and trust, yeah. which is. Yeah. And also to, 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 to enable, um, uh, organizations to take advantage of developing technology such yep. as artificial intelligence or cloud-based systems or, or, or whatever it is, or you're moving to the, moving to the metaverse, or it's, if you've yep. got a good grounding and com compliance, you're in a much better position to, 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 to take advantage of these uh, opportunities. So setting that strong foundation. And I guess then thinking about that piece and, and where things are moving, yep. I mean, What's your thoughts around this post-GDPR world when it comes to privacy? You mentioned things like yeah. um, data governance. You mentioned ethics. <clears throat> you mentioned yeah. um, commercialization of data. I mean, what's your sort of sense of how things are moving and where it's going going to go? What direction? Yeah, I think um, I think I think the sense is uh, you know just to just to run through what you said there, Paul. I think we are moving away from a position where we are uh, worried so much about the compliance. We, sh we, we all should yep. be moving towards a position of, of, of compliance now. I, th I think it's, it's really working out how does that work in the context of other developing areas, such mm. as artificial intelligence again, you know, how does yep. it work in the context of that? And also the, 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 the other area is um, that we're having to grapple with all the time is developing le legislation around around the globe a lot yeah. of so a lot of uh, countries have introduced sort of gdpr type legislation others have gone mm -hmm. a different way there's da data localization is increasingly challenging for us to try and uh, try and deal 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 with that um obviously china but for, for us is quite a big uh, quite a big area with the new people that's been that's been introduced there trying to work yeah. out what that means in practice is uh, is a real it is a real sort of challenge for us. Mm, interesting. So, Cameron, this week we're recording this podcast yep. in January twenty twenty three. We've got Data Privacy Week yep. this week. We've got Data Privacy Day. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked a lot about the evolution of regulation, the trends, the patterns, um, but thinking about actionable steps or things that data leaders could actually take mm -hmm. this year and beyond to unlock the most value of their data. I mean, what's your insight into that? Do you know, Paul, I think I'd probably go back to what I've said previously here, really. I think it's doing the basics well. I think making sure you've got a good 
fundamental understanding of what data you have and what you do with it uh, and making sure that you have appropriate uh, compliance measures in place which allow the which provide the basic privacy tenets of good transparency mm. good choice in making sure you've got your your tech and your tech, tech, tech technology platform in a way which gives you the greatest flexibility to make to make changes and the greatest granularity over the way that you use data. So I, I think yeah. it would be carry on do more of the same. Carry on really understanding the data. Carry on mm. making sure that you've got a, a good insights as to what you do with that data, and you 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 can adapt to different uses of data by changing the the notices, or you can pick the bits of data that have got the right consent to do this, yeah. or you can mass data. We've not really spoken about privacy by design yet, but I, I think we might we've, we we might talk about that. I think that's something that increasingly is going to be not just. Uh, a sort of good to have, but a need need to have. To be yep. honest, in order yep. to move to the next uh, to, to 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 the next level, and I think expectations of re re regulators are going to really in increase in this space. But just to comply with the standard data data minimization principle. So I think I think that make sure you understand your data, uh, be clear what you want to do with it, to try and be flexible, and probably look at how can we use pri privacy by design techniques to 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 to, to better protect the individual data and to allow us the opportunity to use that data in the right way. Drilling into that a bit further, we've talked yeah. about the role of technology, you touched yeah. about touched on about um process by design. Yeah. I mean what do you think is the role of technology to support that unlocking of data, but in yeah. particular to support this this space? Yeah well I think specifically it would be the use of privacy enhancing technologies, um, to be honest, Paul. The the um the, the various tech technologies that are set out in the ICO's guidance, for, for example, from, yep. from, from last year, that uh, uh, I understand the sort of general level provides an, an opportunity to for a controller to do things with the data, to get the outputs and the insights that they need from the data, but while retaining the privacy of the individual. And there's all sorts of yeah. uh, uh, um, very clever techniques that I hope you're not going to ask me to explain how they work, <laughs> but, you know, differential privacy and yeah. those those sorts of things, which uh, I, I think if you can make them work, they've got huge, huge, huge potential to un unlock the value of data. Fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us today on today's In Confidence podcast. Thank you, Cameron, again, for sharing your valuable time and insights today. We've talked a lot about different aspects of compliance, developing a, a robust data privacy protection team, uh, navigating the, the complexities of the various data landscape and, and how technology can play an important role for that. So thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. No matter where you are in your data journey, Privatar is here to help. Privatar empowers organizations to leverage their data to innovate faster while protecting the privacy of individuals at massive scale. Privatar is unique in combining technology, thought leadership, and expert services to help your data operations thrive. Want to learn more? Our team of experts is ready to answer your questions and discuss how data privacy can fuel your business. Visit privatar.com. Thanks for listening to In Confidence, brought to you by Privatar. To hear more insights and advice on how to effectively use, manage, and protect your data, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like the show, leave us a rating. Join us for the next data conversation.